Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor of Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Knowing isn't the same as doing anything. I say that pretty regularly. Knowing isn't the same. Just because you know, it doesn't mean you've walked it out and that you're living it. It's not the same as doing anything. A few weeks ago, I I used one of my analogies that I I like to use uh, of uh, asking someone to go flying with me. And and I tell them, I've read three books on how to fly. And and the, the last book had illustrations even. So I'm way ahead of the game. I know that if you push this little thingy right here, that these things called flaps go up and down on the wing. That's good to know. And I know how to go through the checklist here that they made. And and, and, hey, I'm ready to fly. You want to go flying? Well, you might ask, well, Pastor, how many hours of flying do you have? Well, I've not actually done it yet, but um, I know how to do it. I've read the manuals. Trust me, everything's going to turn out okay. You'd be a fool to get in a plane with me. Because I have no practical, I mean, what if things go wrong, you know? You know, and that, that'll happen about two seconds uh, down the runway. Knowing isn't the same as doing anything. And so many Christians think they know and they're growing in the Lord, but it's not the same if you're not living it out. If you have no practical experience in this, what's the point? Dr. Warren Wiersbe said that, the three, that there's three words that summarize the practicality of Christian life. Here it is. First, wisdom, then walk, and then work. He said, I cannot work for God unless I am walking with him, but I cannot walk with him if I'm ignorant of his will. The believer who spends time daily in the word and prayer will know what God's will is and be able to walk with him and work with him, end of quote. God's wisdom points to us to God's will, and as we obey his will, then we begin to walk with him, and as we walk with him, we get to work with him, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, Paul said. That was one of his prayers for this young church. Pray for that person in your life that you're thinking of, that they would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. And as you seek to pray productively for yourself or others, pray that God will reveal his will with clarity and that they would understand it. Then pray that they would walk it out daily. And finally, pray that God would enable them to work faithfully along with God so that they would align themselves with God's will, fully pleasing him. Well, productive prayer number one, that they may walk wisely Number two, that they may walk obediently. And here's productive prayer number three that Paul prays, that they may produce fruit. He wrote, being fruitful in every good work. What kind of life is is worth living? What kind of life do you want to have that when you get to the end of it, should, should Jesus delay his return and we get to the end of our lives? that we look back on our lives, what kind of life would you describe that you would like to have right before going to heaven? 
Well, I, I would imagine that all of us in this room would want our lives to be fruitful, that they meant something, they stood for something, that they were valuable to the next generation, perhaps. Paul wanted those he prayed for to be wise by developing their biblical knowledge to begin with. God wants us to learn more about him and then put that knowledge into practice as we help those around us. The fruitfulness comes from interacting with other people. And thus Paul prayed that the people would lead productive lives, that life and the obedience will bring fruitfulness. Our creator designed us to be fruitful. Jesus said, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will remain, he said. And, he, and that word remains means there's no end to that. That fruit that we, that we want in our lives by following God, it lasts forever, even out into eternity when we get to heaven. In his book, Partners in Prayer, John Maxwell wrote this, and I quote, the greatest fruit that a person's life can bear has lasting value. Usually that means actions with eternal consequences, such as salvation for unbelievers and spirit-empowered ministry to other members of the body of Christ. So when you pray for others, pray that, you would be, that they would be productive and that they would choose to bear fruit that is eternal. End of quote. And here's productive prayer number four, that they would know God better. Most of you know and have prayed for, and we appreciate and thank you for the prayers that we've had um, in the passing of our daughter, but now we uh, uh, are going to do what I call reparenting. We're getting in line again to do it, and if God thinks it's a good idea, I'm for it. I don't know how I'm going to do it physically yet, but God has a plan for that as well. I better start jogging again, I think, keep up with them. But our prayer is that they would know God better than they know him today. Paul wrote in his prayer, increasing in the knowledge of God. The writer of Hebrews warns against the believer's spiritual passivity or willful disinterest in growing in the knowledge of God. He had taught them the foundations of the faith, provided them the essentials of Christian living. He gave them everything they needed to grow, and then he had to go away. He comes back at, at some point, and he returns wanting to teach them even deeper things. But he discovers that they're still spiritual infants. They haven't done any of the things that he's told them to do, and they've forgotten everything he's told them. They didn't increase in their knowledge of God because they were lazy and distracted by the things of the world. In Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, they wanted to teach them more about Jesus, but found it difficult and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing, he writes, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk, these are people that like to get their ears tickled, uh, maybe listen to, to, to the, you know, the easy gospel, the soft serve, is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use 
have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So as we open up the Word of God, we begin to be able to discern. We begin to grow into the faith that that God's already given us. Paul knew that everything hinges on the health and strength of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. What rain and sunshine are to the cultivation of plants, the knowledge of God is to the growth and maturing of our spiritual lives. And as you pray for people in your life, pray that they would be distracted less by the world. Pray they remain focused on the things that will encourage them to know God better. Always increasing in the knowledge of God. And lastly, here's productive prayer number five, that they would be complete and thankful. Complete and thankful. Paul writes in verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now, one of the most elusive, sought-after Christian traits, I believe, is that of joyful patience and long-suffering. Both are necessary in the, lo- in the lives of the believer if we're to grow and to experience God and have, have a testimony to the world that's valued. If we're going to pray for joyful pray- patience and joyful long-suffering, we need to know what they are. Patience is having the godly stamina to go on joyfully when circumstances are difficult. Long-suffering is having the the same godly stamina to go on joyfully when people are difficult. You see the difference? Both are absolutely essential to our successful navigation of storms. See, I'm, I'm far better at dealing with circumstances because I can manipulate them and I can, you know, kind of make things happen. I'm far less adept when I deal with difficult people. There's silence in here. (laughs) Long-suffering is having the godly stamina to go on joyfully when people are difficult. Patience is endurance in action. It's not a passive thing. We're to have patience with our circumstances that we may not like, but there's an action to that. We work through that. But then when people come along, it's a lot more difficult. Maybe there's a difficult neighbor that you have, or maybe there's a difficult coworker or family member that you're dealing with. You know, God's using them to develop a patience, a, a long-suffering, if you will. Hebrews 12:11 tells us this, therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that are that is set before us. Patience is endurance in action. Think about the the triathlete who is patiently taking that next stride. Now, they've swam their their, their swim part of the triathlete. They've ridden their bicycle some hundred miles, but now they have to run a marathon on top of that. 
How do you do that? You patiently take that next step. You force your body that is crying out in pain to take that next step, and you, and you go through this. You work through this so that they can finish their race. And don't we all want to finish our race? Hebrews 12, 11 tells us, let us run the, with endurance the race that is set before us. A coach once said that it's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. God wants you to race, and he wants you to finish your race, and it's always too soon to quit. Patience keeps moving ahead in spite of the storm. Long-suffering now, in the Greek, has the meaning of self-restraint when it comes to responding to difficult people. Now, I know nobody ever loses their temper and says things in here that they ought not. It's just me. But, you know, sometimes I just, you know, flip an answer back to somebody that wasn't very well thought out. And this is one of the things I'm working on in my life, the long-suffering with joy, so that when I deal with somebody who's difficult, that my answer, you know, reflects my faith and that I've got joy in doing so. Long-suffering does not seek payback, but responds with grace and forgiveness, and is listed, in fact, as one of the fruits of the Spirit we're to possess in our own character. Godly patience and long-suffering both possess the element of joy. Paul, Paul said that. He lists them both, but he says, in joy, with joy. Sometimes we mix up the word joy and the word happiness, but the two have very important differences. Happiness happen comes from the, the, root, the word happenstance, or as it may happen. We don't know if it will or if it will not. Happiness in, is usually dependent upon outward circumstances. For example, a lady might uh, experience happiness when her man brings her flowers at home because it's her birthday. Oh, you remembered my birthday. These are beautiful. Thanks, hon. A man may experience happiness when his lady remembers it's Thursday night, September 2nd at 5 p.m., the first Boise State game of the year. She has the big screen on when he walks through the door and chili cheese dip on the stove, along with chips, salsa, ribs, accompanied by twice-baked potatoes, sun tea, and the Broncos' number one embossed napkin and plate and cup set on the table. Now, Debbie, this is just an illustration. (laughs) But every man in here said, amen. Amen. (laughs) Last night she was writing something down and I said, what are you writing down? And she says, I'm making a list of those things. (laughs) It's just an illustration. But if you want to do that, see all these things I just named, they're temporary. They're going in the trash. These things are temporary circumstances that make us happy. They happen to happen if they do, and they happen not to if they don't. But joy, now that's a different deal here. Joy lives independently of outward things and people. The book of Philippians is called the book of joy. It's one of my favorite books in all the Bible. Paul wrote it, though, when he was in the Mamertine prison. Now, Debbie and I got to go to Rome. We were blessed to be able to go to Rome uh, several years ago. And while we were there, they had unearthed what they uh, came to realize was the Mamertine prison. 
Now, what, you know, we don't think of uh, our prisons today. What it was, was a hole in the ground. They had hewn out of solid rock. They had hewn this hole. They had dug down through the, through the rock. And then they made a room that was, um, it's about half the size, I would guess, of this room. And it's, the drop is about 20, 25 feet into this hewn out. And at the top, it's only about two, uh, two feet wide. And so if you got arrested like Paul, he was in Philippi when he got arrested for preaching the gospel, they, put him, uh, they sent him to Rome for, for trial. And, and while he's awaiting trial, he gets put into this hole. And so he, you know, this hole is something else. I mean, picture a room like this. There might be 100 guys waiting trial or awaiting execution or awaiting release. You just, I mean, depending on your situation. Paul, at this moment, before he begins to write this letter of joy, doesn't know if he's going to be executed or, or released. He just doesn't know. Caesar hasn't decided yet. And so he's sitting in this hole. And, and while we were there, they shut the light off that was coming you know, through the room above us. And you can't see your hand in front of your face. And then you realize... How in the world would he write about joy in a place like this? Now, today it's all clean, but can you imagine those hundred guys in this room and the stench that came out of them? They, they were feeding them slop. I mean, it was horrible conditions. You can't see. Paul probably got a candle from Timothy while he was there so he could write, or Timothy was able to get a candle and, and, and write with him as Paul spoke. These deplorable conditions. You know, I'm going to be honest with you here this morning. You know, I get thrown into the hole like that. It's probably not my first response to say, let's write a letter of joy. You know, that's probably down the road, I hope, but that's not my first response. But Paul sits down and says, okay, Timothy, we can't go anywhere. Let's write some letters. And he writes stuff like this. I just picked out one passage. There were dozens. He writes to these people in Philippi that are upset because he got arrested and they don't know if he's going to get killed. They're worried about him. He writes to them, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice! Exclamation point. Let your gentle spirit be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. They're worried that, man, are they going to, is Paul going to be executed? Oh, no, don't worry about that. I'm all right. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Just pray for me. That's all. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What a nugget in the middle of a disaster. Joy and rejoicing come to those that walk with God moment by moment. In fact, he tells us it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, joy. So listen, if, if, if your patience and your long-suffering uh, is at an end, and, um, and if you don't practice that and get it back, you'll lose your joy eventually. And if you lose your joy, you'll lose your ability to be thankful And if you lose your ability to be thankful, you may come down with a case of the RBAs, very dangerous disease, resentment, bitterness, and anger. I did a study of these three words, and what I came up with just basically was, if you don't practice these things, 
then you get resentful when someone hurts you. And then if you don't deal with it there, you get bitter about the situation. And if you don't deal with it there, then it turns into anger and violence and bad decisions that you watch on TV every night. They've lost their joy. They lost their ability to be thankful. And then they went down the road of the RBAs. But if you'll develop and and practice patience and long-suffering, your joy will grow, and so will your thankfulness towards God. And so will your impact then in the world around you. And so will your fruit develop because you're walking with the Lord hand in hand. And when your thankfulness towards God's grow, your life will become more enjoyable here, more meaningful, and more fruitful in eternity. So pray that they may walk wisely. That's number one. Number two, that they may walk obediently. And number three is that they may produce fruit. And number four is that they may know God better. And here's number five, that they would be complete and thankful. What a great prayer, an example of prayer that we have from Paul, that we can pray for each other and that we can pray for ourselves. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we come to you today. So many prayer requests. But we know that you're the lifter and sustainer of our souls, Father. And we know that in you we have everything we're looking for in life and that you're the answer to life's problem. And Lord, our hearts are like the disciples who when asked... If they wanted to go away too, they responded, where else would we go? You have eternal life. And so we declare that this morning. There's nowhere else to go to, but you, and you are more than enough to handle whatever we're going through, whatever trials. And Lord, we lift up every prayer request here. The child, the grandchild, the the brother, sister, mother, father, spouse, whatever, whoever you know, and you know them intimately. And we believe that when we ask according to your will, our prayers will be answered. And as we lift up each person's request here, we ask, as Paul wrote down, we ask that they may walk wisely in your will for their lives and that they would let go of these past hurts and these regrets and choose to, choose to grow in your wisdom, your forgiveness and your understanding of the truth. And Lord, then we ask that they may walk obediently, not just be hearers, but doers of, the, of, of your will, living out your wisdom and walking obediently as you lead. And then Lord, that they would produce much fruit that their lives would overflow with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that they might share in the hope of the gospel. And then we ask that they may come to know God better, that they may come to know you, that they would discover the joy and the love and the peace that only comes in a relationship with you, And lastly, we pray that they would be complete in everything, lacking nothing in their lives, that their joy would overflow into thankfulness to you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for 
what he did on a cross to make it possible to even speak to you, Lord. We're so thankful for the relationship that is there in you and that you love us completely. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, uh, we're going to continue to pray for these uh, prayer requests that you've brought forward. There are many, but uh, Kelly and the prayer team are going to uh, pray over these in the weeks, the days and weeks that go ahead. And I know that you're being prayed for. Perhaps this morning you came in here and you don't even know how to have a relationship with God. Uh, We'd love to talk with you afterwards, but let me tell you, if you're at home watching this right now, and I'm told that every week there's some 2,000 people doing that, uh, I want to tell you that you can have a relationship with God. And it all begins by crying out to Him and asking for His mercy and His grace. Jesus died on a cross for you, just like He did everyone else in this room. And he wants to bring you back to the Father, back into relationship with God. And you can do that by simply crying out to him for mercy. He'll hear that prayer and you can begin a a life with him. And if you do that, I want to invite you to click on our website. There's a, um, an email that you can send, an e-connect card, that if you fill out at the bottom, say, I prayed to receive Christ today, we will mail you a Bible and some materials for you to get started. And of course, if you're here in the Treasure Valley, we invite you to come to our church and worship right here with us. If you prayed today to uh, start a relationship with God, we want to hand you that Bible before you leave and the materials. We can help you get set up in, in your walk with the Lord. And if you're already a believer, it's your job and my job is to go out now and love on people and tell them the good news. Amen. Have a great week. God bless you. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.